even though I thought that I knew, um, I actually found the thing that spoke to me, which was business shenanigan. <laughs> I interned at a, a, a public defender's office, discovered that this is maybe the best tool ever uh, to root out injustice. Just being open to the idea that something that's outside of your lane or a little bit different could be uh, tremendously helpful in your next step, you know, on, on the road. This is Liz Lash, and you're listening to Entering the Bar. Us lawyers may have passed the bar, but at the end of the day, we often find ourselves entering the bar. And today on the show, we have Mark Miner, Seton Hall law professor and financial services expert. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for being here. What I find so interesting is having, you know, seeing how your career evolves, you know, as mine has, you know, is watching, you know, having gotten to know you when when you were essentially my client, right, was as the as the bureau chief in New Jersey, and I was a lowly deputy, you know, <laughs> um, to, you know, sort of moving on, you know, other jurisdictions and then to to your consulting. And, Not so lowly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You punched way well, heavier than yeah, your yeah. weight class. <laughs> well, I was a baby attorney, so as, as they like to call it, you know, the right out of law school, basically. But right. <laughs> I had a lot of learning to do. But but yeah, no, I think it's so interesting having having watched how you did that. And the other thing I I was sort of interested in in hearing about was, you know, you went from. Like you said, being an AAG, and for those listeners, an AAG is Assistant Attorney General, to sort of being, you know, you went from advising the client to being the client. And I'm always interested, like, how, how do you make that transition? You're shot out of a cannon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, it's interesting yeah. that I was, uh, when I became an Assistant Attorney General in New York, it was yeah. actually my second tour at an uh, attorney General's office because I actually started my career as an assistant attorney general in Ohio. Oh, um, good old Ohio. And so I had been uh, part of two different administrations there and kind of seen uh -huh. different approaches to yeah. that uh, authority, yeah. uh, being the prosecutor, protector of of the people mm -hmm. and the state agencies. Yeah. Um, and so I think I came to uh, New York with a bit of a view uh, formed of that, but still very much yeah. cutting my teeth and learning. I spent some time on the defense side as well um, yeah. as a, um, a public defender um, and also an attorney in private practice on doing litigation, which is what I was doing before I came to New York. So I really came with, um, you know, unfully formed um, litigation skill. Um, but as a public advocate, whether mm -hmm. that's on a prosecution or defense side, right. um, one thing that you never have is, you know, a bevy of resources. <laughs> so you have to do um, <laughs> yeah. so much with so little that it becomes trial by fire and you get a lot of great experience both in motions practice, you mean yeah. writing, but also uh, the opportunity to, you know, apply your, your, your trade. I happen to have come to the New York Attorney General's office at a time when the Attorney General at the time, Elliot Spitzer, 
had a major platform as kind of the sheriff on Wall Street. Oh, yeah. And um, as the news referred to the office, then it was kind of a small guerrilla unit um, that was um, able to move quickly into major issues where maybe other um, actors on the federal level were seen to have, have stepped back. And so I got tremendous experience uh, there as well. But yeah. what I think helped inform actually running that office was leaving and going – to be in-house at the Philadelphia Stock Exchange, hmm. which is yeah. uh, mostly a derivatives ex- exchange uh, and um, other similar products. And then sure. after that, going to the New York Stock Exchange and being in-house. Uh, so that gave me a capital markets view yeah. um, that you may not see if you're really just focusing on what might be in uh-huh. your uh, in your file cabinet yeah. at the time. You were on the floor, so to speak. <laughs> yes, literally. <laughs> and they never want to see you coming. Um, That's true. So you get some kind of broker-dealer cases and traditional Mm -hmm. cases, and then you get floor and floor activity and capital markets cases. Mm -hmm. So by the time that I um, had the opportunity to leave there and become the bureau chief um, in New Jersey, Mm -hmm. I had both a view from the New York Stock Exchange merged with the NASD and became FINRA. Right. And so I had that view. And yeah. I took all that uh, to uh, New Jersey, which is not as big a market as New York, but it's mm-hmm. still very big um, in the national uh, sphere. And um, there's a lot of financial services that's there. And so by the time I got back to New York, yeah. kind of come full circle, I'd actually been a securities administrator for a state and had you know really well-formed ideas about what uh, what that job involved and spent a lot of time in Washington working on the passage of Dodd-Frank. Um, And so I thought that I had a unique perspective on what any state securities uh, regulator should be thinking about in this this brand new world. And I approached the job uh, from that perspective. And it didn't help at all. It was was, was still mind-blowing. Well, you thought you were prepared. (laughs) More prepared than than probably many other people. (laughs) So that's interesting. So so you actually had a a hand in helping with the Dodd-Frank? So there's an organization of North American uh, Securities Administrators. um, And I got involved in working with those organizations. One of the things that they did was uh, as Dodd-Frank was being considered – uh-huh. They would have um, information days where you'd go to Washington and give what I was hoping I was giving uh, the members of Congress a completely unvarnished view of how I thought that the law would operate if it worked. Yeah, I saw my job as trying to help them understand now that you've heard from this industry uh-huh. and from these advocacy groups, yeah. here's how we believe that the law will really work. Yeah. And then leave it to you to figure out whether that's going to be best for your uh, constituents. And so having th- I thought a lot about that and yeah. then seeing um, the sausage, you know, <laughs> being, being made, <laughs> which is as rough justice as you can imagine, um, I felt like I had a pretty good handle of, on what states and uh, actually federal regulators were going to have to unpack over the next couple of years. Yeah. So that was very helpful. Yeah. Well, that, that is – that's really cool. So one of the other things I was thinking about that I, I was curious what your view on is, um, especially now that you're a professor and, you know, you talk about just to go back for a second, you know, to your work as a professor, you know, uh, financial security and sort of the changes in the markets. If you were a regulator again at the New York FINRA or Philadelphia, do you think 
things would look different today in terms of how you regulate. I was thinking about how cybersecurity, how it's changed and things like that. Yeah. So I believe that everything that I have done informs the way that I approach the job that I take Mm. on next. Yeah. I'll tell you a a quick interesting story. So quick interesting story. (laughs) um, So I was at the – I was at the Bureau of Securities in New Jersey. Uh, that authority sits in the uh, AG's office. As you know, mm-hmm. um, when there was this event that people refer to today as the flash crash. And, oh, yes. Um, flash crash. We were trying to figure out whether there was some risk to investors, the investing public uh, in New Jersey, um, uh, and learn that uh, there were many high-speed computers that were controlling large portions of the volume. And so I wanted to, you know, instead of having some knee-jerk reaction, I wanted to understand it better. And I went to visit one of these shops and I said, you know, do you have a record that can show me what occurred on that day? And they had a big screen up there. The whole place is filled with a whole bunch of quant guys and algo, that's algorithm, people that write uh, algorithms. Uh, you know, they are not uh, you know, business people, you mm-hmm. know, from business school, they're all electrical engineers and physicists yes. and um, everything that they're, you know, pushing for is to make their answer to whether or not this is a good investment decision a nanosecond faster wow. than the other guy down the yeah. street. Yeah. And so I asked him to show it to him and he showed me when it happened and it was really just a blur. Um, and so yeah. I, he slowed it down uh, by like a factor of 10 and it still moves faster than you could really read. And so, which is kind of proof positive that there may have been some rules around at the time for which a human could have, could not have intervened. Right. And so there's two responses to that, right? You can either decide that we are going to dumb down mm-hmm. technology right. or dumb down the markets or try to find a way uh, to regulate what is there. And That's a good point. Um, yeah. innovation is exactly what it says it is. It's trying to uh, improve. Right. The performance of the markets and the efficiency of the markets. Yeah. Um, some people believe that that's achieved through speed and faster execution. Right. So if that is going to be a technology that's out there, yeah. um, then I think you have to figure out a way uh, to do it. I used to say that the, when I first went um, on the uh, exchange side, yeah. uh, I, I went to uh, the Philadelphia Stock Exchange and they mm-hmm. gave me a visit. Uh, to the floor. So yeah. the first day I'm down there and I'm thinking, you know, the pits and the paper are screaming and it, the market had just started to turn and it wasn't that uh, crazy, but there were still active trading areas. Yeah. And there were some people there who spoke incredibly fast and they wrote incredibly fast. Oh, yeah. And so the analogy that I came up with was that if you found someone who was successful, more successful than the people to the left and right of him, mm-hmm. the to me – uh, the sensible rule is not to tell somebody they can't speak faster, mm-hmm. um, but either the other people <laughs> beside them yeah. need to speak fast or, fast or you need to think about some rule that makes it fair to the investing public. But a guy right. who's hired because he can write trade tickets faster uh-huh. is just smart and innovative in terms of the, fl- the floor and trading. And so I always try to approach how do we accommodate this if it's not an immediate uh, risk uh, to mm-hmm. the market. With that being said, there's lots of things that go on in technology that um, we are 
learning. They kind of, you know, are, are falling out as we know and understand some of the unintended consequences right. of dealing in this, in this area. Privacy, all the stuff that's mm-hmm. come out with Facebook and ways that information is being used that right. we don't know or we don't see or how fast uh, things are happening before we can react to it. Those are all kind of the tip of the, the, the spear things that I think make regulating uh, even today different than it was a few years ago yeah. when I was um, at the helm. Yeah. That, well, that that's a great explanation of kind of the difference between, yeah, yesterday and today. And I think that's a really, I've always thought, you know, that's a really sensible and thoughtful approach oh, to regulating. You. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I like you, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think it's a, a really interesting thing. And I was going to say you also, in some ways, you have kind of an interesting view too, because you also, I think you, you said to me, uh, at one point, you actually thought you wouldn't even go into law. You're going to be a journalist, right? So kind of you have an, even a different creative approach to things. You know, like I said, you, you kind of bring yourself yeah. to whatever job uh, you're in. And for yeah. when, I, when I first got to college, I th- thought I was going to be a doctor. And th- that was completely and very quickly dashed um, <laughs> by chemistry and some other classes. Oh. And so um, – but I'd always loved journalism and, and, um, yeah. I was editor in chief of the high school paper and all of that. And, and so I, th- I thought I was going to be an investigative journalist oh. so I could write kind of more long form things and, yeah. you know, root out injustice by casting light. Yeah. And, um, my minor was criminal justice uh-huh. and I took just enough classes to pique an interest in that. Yeah. I mean, took an internship as part of uh, my requirement and found lots of things that I loved about uh, the law. Uh, too. And of course, you know, by the time I, you know, I, I was getting ready to graduate, I went in maybe two semesters before and they said, you know, with well, a lot of people kind of letting their foot off the gas, but if you take full compliments, both these semesters, you can finish with two degrees. And so, oh, wow. um, I did that and, and, um, took the LSAT just like, well, just in case right. I'd actually gotten an opportunity to go to a very good paper that, you know, most, you know, uh, undergrad just mm-hmm. wouldn't get the opportunity to do. Yeah. Um, and I went to, um, uh, my journalism advisor, uh-huh. and he said, I would go to law school. <laughs> I said, wow, you're, you're the advocate and this is your answer? He said, well, you know, if you want to write, you can always do that. True. And so go and uh, and get the law degree. And so, yeah. and so I did. But as soon as I started you know, really delving into mm-hmm. the substance of the classes. And I interned at a, a, a public defender's office that first summer yeah. um, and discovered that this is maybe the best tool ever uh, to root out injustice. Uh-huh. Um, and so I believe that there's a role for that, um, whether you are on a prosecution side or defense side or simply advocating for, uh, you know, a, a client's position in private practice. And so – it probably was not as improbable as I thought about it at the time because I can think back today, mm-hmm. you know, those themes that kind of spoke to me. And so I was really able to maybe approach the same uh, spirit yeah. of what I was interested in but just from a, a, a different discipline. Yeah. No, that, that totally makes sense. I mean I actually – I think like a lot of lawyers, you know, I, I did something similar. I was creative writing minor and I worked for the paper. And in fact, 
at the end of school, I was interviewing at like Reuters and stuff like that and ended up going to Russia instead for a year, but, and then law school. But yeah, I mean, when I went to the AG's office, it was with this idea of wearing the white hat, you know, right. being the good guy, you know, good woman. So is that code for like you join the CIA? Or? Yeah. <laughs> well, it might still be on the, in my list, but I couldn't <laughs> tell you, you know. <laughs> you can tell me in Russian. Yeah. <laughs> no right, one's listening. Right. <laughs> Done yet. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh my God. So um so sort of to you know, along that tack, when you're, you know, taking a break from from, you know, being the good guy, riding in on the white horse and, you know, doing doing your law, you know, do you do you do other sorts of things to kind of, you know, Take the pressure off, you know, and take off the hat, the white hat, uh, the the law hat for a second, you know, to relax. When I'm not doing that work, yeah. uh, I'm usually uh, doing parental things, oh. <laughs> which is not <laughs> – That doesn't sound less stressful. <laughs> yes, not, not less stressful <laughs> at all. I have two teenage boys and, and oh um, <laughs> uh, you know, they, they're great. They, they, yeah. they keep you on your toes. Oh, yeah. I guess when I have downtime, usually I will – I'm kind of a night owl and so, you know – do things that need doing uh, uh-huh. around the house, and um, yeah. I'll save until it's late, and everyone's kind of uh, uh, winding down. I'll listen to uh, jazz while I work, which kind W-B-G-O. of WBGO. I do a BGO. <laughs> um, I love that stage. And um, <laughs> usually, that's what, what I'll what I'll do. I mean, there was a time yeah. in my undergraduate career mm-hmm. where I became perilously uh, close to not finishing my undergraduate and pursuing music. Oh, really? Um, but then the prospect of you know, being excited about that and coming home uh, to tell my parents that I was oh. <laughs> going to drop out of school and go overseas. <laughs> um, right. That was a, a, a very a quick shutdown yeah. to, uh, that, to that idea. Uh, I'm sure. Um, well, and, what instrument did you play? Or did you play an instrument? So um, my opportunity was actually to sing. Oh. Um, and so I, I had, had no a lot of friends who were – I, I, I did play I play guitar um, and a little piano, um, but I sang in uh, the gospel choir and you oh, know wow. did a lot of uh, shows mm-hmm. on campus. You know, students would put together, you know, whatever the you know the pop act of the summer was, and you'd sing some of those and sing backup for each other and do talent shows. And oh, how cool. can I ask you to sing right now? <laughs> oh, well, we'd have to sing together. Oh, <laughs> I don't have a good singing voice. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, and so, I I really loved, and I kind of developed a, a love for uh, uh, jazz from uh, my dad, and just kind of listening to that. It's yeah. just kind of the part of the firmament yeah. uh, in the house uh, mm-hmm. growing up. And so, I think I still use uh, music to calm the savage beast <laughs> in the evening and kind of uh, rest rest my mind. Um, and I still do write just. For, you know, you do a lot of writing as a lawyer. Oh, yeah. And so sometimes it's kind of like law school. People would ask you, like, what good books have you read lately? Oh, like, are you kidding? I can't see straight. <laughs> no. Um, so the last Fresh thing magazine. I wanted to do yeah. was to pick up a novel, mm-hmm. even though I did like to read. That was like a three-year black hole oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. for um, literature for me. <laughs> but I do find that, that I had that yen to, you know, put a pen and paper in. Yeah. What, do people do that anymore? Actually, <laughs> I, I, I well sometimes. <laughs> if you don't have carpal tunnel, <laughs> so you know, occasionally I will write something and um, put it up on Medium um, oh, or something like cool. that. But a lot of times I just write 
Yeah. Short story. It could be nonfiction. It oh. could be poetry. It could be, you know, whatever just strikes me. Yeah. Um, and I find um, that I feel better after yeah. I've done it. It's kind of like yeah. listening to music. Sometimes you just have to get out what's in your head and people have different ways that they unwind. And yeah. um, uh, for me, sad as it is, that <laughs> that's it. That's a that's a big thing. <laughs> that's not a small thing. <laughs> so you know, I'm 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 just going to say that I'm going to wait for the publication of your next uh, your next novel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sure. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe no, that, who maybe knows? that's me. Put that on the list. That's right. That's right. It's on the li- when you're when you're late night listening to jazz and you know writing something. Right. You, know. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Ten year plan. You know. <laughs> there you go. I wrote my first complete work. I guess this is a law school story. In in, <laughs> and I was just going to get to that. Right. In class, <laughs> yeah. Oh, in class. <laughs> That's funny. So it was a children's book, so it wasn't heavy lifting. Oh. <laughs> I won't uh, the names to protect the innocent. I won't mention the law professor. He was, um, but um, um, we had these little breaks um, yeah. in between. Uh, this it was a uh, a class it was a you know multi hour class. Oh, and yeah. I literally would stop on break, and I would just scribble out some some things, and, and then I put it all together, and and I was like, you know, I like that process. Yeah. Um, been doing it ever since. I mean, I wrote when I was a kid. I would write like little stories, and yeah, might make my own comic books, and you know, so I've always kind of had been attracted to, uh, you know, the written word, and yeah. why I think I started. You know, in journalism in high school, and I was editor in chief oh. of the paper in college, and so right. then I was law review. I mean, social justice law journal as co editor in chief there, and oh, cool. in law school, and so yeah. it was probably just as much for me as the product. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it is right. You know, it, it's that act of catharsis and of something in the brain needs to be expressed. Right. You know, and what do you need to express today? Are you writing? <laughs> are you writing? Are you writing a book? Are you working on something? No, no. I'm, well, kind of. I, uh, oh, I do tell. Is it a tell-all? <laughs> I'd love to do that. <laughs> that. That takes a lot of patience, though, which I which I lack. But uh, um, well, actually, you the know, ag years. Yeah. <laughs> are there any rules against that, Mark? <laughs> I'll change the names. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Um, you know, maybe be like Michael Crichton one day. You know, so. Great. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, I'm actually I've, I've been, work, been working on a poetry book for a long time, and um, that, that's actually for me that's the easiest way to get out my thoughts on paper. And I do work on stories and things like that. But how I, do you decide what makes the cut? I've gone back to some oh, poetry that I wrote question. in the past, and we're like, oh, this is horrible, but <laughs> uh, it was cathartic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think it's how many places has it been rejected from when trying to publish it? <laughs> uh, okay, let me keep working on it. You know? <laughs> Good test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I find the longer I work on these things over the years, it's it's gotten better just naturally. And so you know that I I think it's just a very very slow pro- process of improvement. And I'm trying to be a little bit have some more humility these days because I'll actually go to writers' workshops and not totally get frustrated and go, they don't know what they're talking about, you know. Um, <laughs> and I actually, once I get over the upset of like, oh, they're rejecting me, um, you know, go back and like look at it and say, okay, yeah, they have some valid points. Yeah, that was one valuable skill from doing newspaper writing and being a journalism major yeah. is that I, when you get to law school, when, you know, professors may completely like decimate what you turn in. Oh, yeah. I was yeah, for sure. 
I had <laughs> such a thick skin about that, you know. So someone may turn over something and they'll not align, you know, it's not marked up in some way. Um, and I'm like, yeah, okay, that's, that's, yeah. that's what editors do. Yeah, uh, like, well, that's a good idea. <laughs> So the first time, though, I know the professor yeah. was like, no, you don't understand. This. No, you, these concepts on every line you know, need to be reworked. So um, let's work on your understanding. Right. I would be like, oh, you know, so the editors do. Great. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. prerogative. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I, I think I try to let that stuff roll off yeah. uh, my, my back. Um, it does take time. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> so the sting uh, takes a while. Oh, oh yes, yeah. yes, yes, it does. I mean, uh, I, I will tell you, you know, this, this is probably no, not revealing state secrets or anything. But when, when I, you know, I like you said, I was a baby attorney, you know, when I first started working for, for the AG's office. And there were so many times where, you know, my boss would look at my complaint and go, all throughout. And I was just, oh, I would get so mad. <laughs> I would go, but this is fine. I made it through law school. And it's like, no, no, go back again. Try, try again and try again better. <laughs> but I became, but she helped, they helped my bosses there helped me become a much, much better writer see? Uh, for it. So. Now you're waxing nostalgic. Now about I that wax period. nostalgia, I guess. You know, I remember the first later. memo <laughs> that later. you presented to me. I still, it's framed. You know? <laughs> Thanks, Mark. <laughs> it's up in my office. I, I'm going to test you on that later. <laughs> See if you can dig something out. <laughs> oh, you know, moving to uh, a question I love asking. Um, if you have a story, great. If you don't, you know, well, I'll ask you my next question. But um, do you have any stories sort of uh, about related to drinking or taking the bar exam or, you know, it's, it, 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 if that would be revealing some more state secrets, I, I, I won't ask you to tell. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very dangerous question. I, I know it is. Yes. Yeah, I wonder how many people end up answering that question. Is this while you're drinking, you ask them the question? <laughs> well, that would probably get better responses. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, related to the bar or taking the bar. I, mm. I think everybody has a story yeah. about what they did when uh, the bar was over. Mm. And so yeah. um, we, I certainly have uh, some of those stories. I, you know, I, I had just recently moved to Ohio mm -hmm. um, to study for the bar and then take the bar. And so yeah. the people that I knew were people that were either just in a review class with me. And uh -huh. so, you, you know, you had a kind of a, a small uh, group of friends. And so – but they are kind of the, your first professional contacts. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. um, and so – I decided to take my rivalry to Dayton because <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was in Columbus. Oh, that's smart. <laughs> where I had a, uh, a friend who had graduated the year before me. Uh -huh. um, and she took me uh, out on the town. And um, I remember she had an admonition. When, when I, I got there, was a, a guy and, and, and a girl who um, had both been in school but they were uh -huh. ahead of me. And she said, yeah, we're going to take you out for a night on the town. I have uh, uh, two roles. Okay. Uh, the first rule is you may not speak of your bar experience once <laughs> you get in this car. And two, our effort will be to have you not remember the bar oh. tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> and you will not resist. And so <laughs> that's what we did. Um, I love it. And so um, – and I thought that that was, that was great. I, yeah. I, I used to run from – in law school, I used to run from people who stood outside the door after the exam – to ask, like, what did you answer like, oh, to God. number 15? I used to hate that. <laughs> and, and, and so, like, look, yeah. no good is going to come from this. No, 
No, definitely not. Because everybody knows something different. It's either going to freak me out or freak the other person out. Oh, yeah. And so the first year, I learned this very early, the first semester of law school, I developed a really good friend in my section. And I would see them when I would get up on campus and, the, and they had like been there to like open the library. And then something would go on later, maybe late at night, because I mentioned I'm not really necessarily a morning person. <laughs> <laughs> Might be reading through something late at night. And uh -huh. I have no concept of what I'm reading, right. and I call. I wake them up out of a deep sleep. We didn't rec we didn't recognize for months that every time that happened, we were freaking each other out, thinking that the other person is studying so much harder or smarter than you. When you're just on completely, people were, have different right. schedules. You have to kind right. of focus on what works for you and right. all that. And so, kind of taking that into my uh, uh, career, you bring yourself in, and once it's over, mm -hmm. it's it's over. Take the exam and yeah. then you leave it behind. Yeah. Oh, very good advice. And so that uh, that experience helped me to forget all about the bar. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, to self, do not give Mark any tests from the last part. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I always thought it was so interesting how like you can be an expert in your field and I'd say it's still like still fail the bar exam. Like I remember hearing about somebody um, who was very high up at a law firm and um, went on, uh, across take the um, the California bar exam. Now that's an, a, an animal of a different color, anyway. Right. Um, but she was like preparing for a Supreme Court argument and <laughs> then had to take the bar at the end and like failed the bar. And I was like, how is that even possible? How is that even like uh, just that? Then that what does that really test? Right. You know? I mean, it does <laughs> say something about kind of the arbitrary nature right. of this exam that is right. supposed to test it. And right. you know, I, I had a, a professor in law school who uh, today I think was a genius. He would say that that the way that we are teaching you how to be a lawyer is a crime. Mm -hmm. And he said across on, on the other campus where the medical school was, yeah. they're teaching you basic information. But most of their time is mm -hmm. being spent um, standing with doctors and teaching them how to mm -hmm. be a doctor. Uh -huh. And so if you think about how they spend some time in the classroom, but yes. the real education is these years of residency. And so if you were going to be, to me, it's not necessarily just litigation. Mm -hmm. could be transactional or yes. or whatever. I think you'd probably find that you learn probably more about at least the law that you're mm -hmm. going to be doing, maybe mm -hmm. in the first six months that you were actually doing it. And so you can go and be first in your class. Yeah. And then you go – Wherever you're supposed to go, uh -huh. you would have no idea, like, <laughs> where do I go to file it? No. Um, no you know, idea. what form does it have to take? Mm -hmm. um, how do I get to the, <laughs> the clerk's office? <laughs> Very and important. The dance of what happens in a courtroom. Yeah. Um, and you yeah. may have taken trial advocacy or some things like that. And so right. how you are applying that and what you are doing, mm -hmm. you know, can be so far afield from, yes. um, you know, yes. I don't know how many times that. You know, you were preparing something for me and I insisted mm -hmm. on the rule against perpetuities, you know, or riparian rights, right? And so <laughs> um, some of the things that you end up being tested on, you know, go on file 13. And it, it may be rightfully so. <laughs> and for our listeners, uh, those two things have absolutely nothing to do with securities regulation, just so you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, that was – uh, inside jargon. Yes, a little, a little legal uh, humor here. <laughs> a lot of legal humor. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I totally agree with you. I mean, it's really, it's almost like it's, it's just you might get lucky with some good teachers when you get out of law school because law school, like, it's the concepts. But then, if you never practice, you, you don't know how to become a lawyer, really. 
right. be, like you said, because they don't. I think it's going more in that direction, right? But it it's not there yet, you know. And I really think that whole idea of apprenticeship that it used to be was that's really you know the the heart of being a lawyer is, is the practice, right? I mean, there's there. Are, so many people, though, that I know that I, I went to school with uh, who never practiced yeah. or they were practicing and they're not practicing now. And certainly right. um, probably a minority of them have ever set foot in a courtroom. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of what a lawyer is going to be could be, you know, I have uh, friends who went to school and then they went back to school and got an right. MBA or right. one of them um, uh, went on to medical school or yeah. they go into politics or business. And I mean, I do believe that it teaches you an approach. Oh, absolutely. That has utility no matter what mm-hmm. you do. And so yeah. the way that they will help you to uh, find a problem and pull an argument apart, mm-hmm. find its weaknesses, yeah. either patch it up or identify what the holes are, right. I think is a skill that I use far outside. Hey, talk to any first year who's now in the summer and they're trying to apply that to everything and you'll see, you know, just how uh, transformative, at least in their own mind, like that <laughs> that new idea, <laughs> a, a, a way to, you know, take an something apart and present it is uh it's you know it's it's useful. No, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, the only thing I would say is, you know, enough about the reasonable person. We've heard it all before. Is <laughs> <laughs> That's how I always knew I was going walking into the cafe after the first year of law school. <laughs> uh courses had had finished, but um this sort of brings you know perfect segue for, you know, my my last question of um of these episodes, which is, you know, what advice do you have for people who are and they're interested in your area in financial services or, you know, going into the public sector or just generally, you know, advice you might have in some someone interested in becoming a lawyer. Hmm. Again, broad question. You can answer right. it however you wish. <laughs> <laughs> so I may not be the best person uh, or maybe I'm a good person to answer this question because I did know people yeah. who grew up. Um, knowing that they wanted to be a lawyer, yeah. like the kind of kid that would, you know, wear a tie and carry a briefcase to elementary school and got, you know, knocked down. Right. So that was the opposite of me. Um, <laughs> as I, as I told the story, I was probably getting ready to graduate before I said, Oh, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. and so, but I always was a believer and still am a believer in taking opportunities that can teach you something, yeah. uh, that you will find fulfilling that will maximize options for you. Yeah. And so that's what I saw um, as as the law. And I think I also talked a little bit about uh, before in our discussion, not being afraid to try something that's a little bit different out of your lane. Yes. Even after I had a fully formed idea, I think when I came out of law school, I'd taken every criminal class just about that the, that the law school had to offer. And I was convinced I was going to be a criminal lawyer. Oh, and so, yeah. but in five years time, you know, I started out, um, um, on the prosecutor side, I was an AG, the AG in a criminal justice section and then crime victims and then uh, the public defender's appeal and post-conviction lawyer at the public defender's office. But I left there and I went into private practice reporting to a transactional partner. And so I'd made a decision that there might be other things outside of the public sector and I wasn't afraid to try them. And so by doing that, though, I think even though I thought that I knew, um, I actually – found the thing that spoke to me, which was business shenanigan. <laughs> so I certainly had shenanigan. <laughs> and then I went to report to a transactional partner and learned about the business. Yeah. But I was always drawn to those matters where someone was arguing that someone had done something that they shouldn't have done. Uh-huh. And I was like, ooh, who knew shenanigan lawyer? <laughs> 
business shenanigan. And so I would never have thought about um, white collar or financial services um, kind of regulatory if I had not had that kind of securitist route uh, to that. So the, you know, the best laid plants um, had me looking in one direction and uh, uh, the thing that actually spoke to me, um, you know, came because I was willing to venture out of my lane. And so, um, and I have an appreciation for um, people uh, who do, like you, who've created this juggernaut uh, media giant of a podcast. Um, We can only hope. That's a departure. And so I could say that I was here in the beginning. Tomorrow, Martha Stewart. Speaking of shenanigans. I was going to say without the shenanigans, (laughs) hopefully. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, Mark, it has been an absolute pleasure. And, you know, I love talking to you and this is why. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was big fun. Big fun. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. And you've been listening to Entering the Bar with Liz Lash. And that's a wrap. You can always check us out at enteringthebar.com. As a reminder, all opinions on this show are made in our personal capacity and don't reflect the views of our employers. You've been listening to Entering the Bar with Liz Lash. (laughs) 